0: So if you've been here uh, with us the last few weeks, we are looking at this um, this idea of being free from our past. And, and it's called Freeway, this series, and it's called A Not-So-Simple Guide to Freedom because uh, although the path seems logical and, and we can talk about it, it's not an easy path to get on. It's not an easy path to stay on because there's detours all of the time. So we're taking these steps to try to become free from our past. And, and so week one, we talked about the prodigal son, about this great homecoming that God was going to have uh, when you, his child, decide to turn back from whatever it is that's captured your attention and come back to him. Your heavenly father runs to meet you. Uh, Week two, we talked about step one. Step one was becoming aware that I even have issues that are holding me down. Step two was discovery. God wants you to know that you're stronger than you think you are, but you're not strong in your power. You're strong in his power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Week three, or week four, was step three. That's kind of confusing, isn't it? And that's ownership. You cannot blame your way to freedom. You can't keep... blaming somebody else for the problems that you're having. At some point, you have to take ownership of your own life and say, it's not my fault, but my life is my responsibility from this point forward, from today on. And then today, we're going to talk about step four, which is forgiveness. Now, years ago, true story from an eyewitness, heard this eyewitness uh, give this story. He said he was at a gas station in the Dallas area, and um, he was filling up his car, and he saw this guy jogging with his dog. Now, th- we're not talking about any dog. We're talking about a Doberman. Doberman, full-grown Doberman, big honking dog. He's jogging along. Well, somewhere in the run, the, uh, the jogger gets thirsty, so he decides to go to the gas station where our eyewitness is pumping gas in his car. And so he decides he's going to go in, so he can't take the Doberman, so he takes the leash and he ties it up to one of those little benches you see sometimes outside the the, uh, gas stations, and it's anchored to the concrete. So he thinks everything is good, right? He goes inside, he leaves the dog there. Few seconds, boom, something, some noise happened, the dog takes off running. And one would think that, because it's anchored in the concrete, that the leash would have held the dog. Well, It did. It held so well that when the dog got to the end of the leash, it ripped the bench out of the concrete, and he started heading for the highway. The highway's a about 100 yards away. And so as he's running, you can, see, you can imagine cars are screeching to a halt because it's not every day that you see a Doberman being chased by a bench. And he's running towards the highway, and there's some cars about to turn onto the highway. They're stopped. And for some reason, there's this huge SUV about to turn onto the highway. It stopped, and the dog freaks out, stops. But, you know, you've heard of inertia an object at rest remains at rest unless acted upon by an outside force, an object in motion continues in motion, the dog stops, and here comes the bench, bam, into the SUV. Parts are flying, there's sparks all over the place, and and everybody's just in awe. Well, something spooks the dog again. I don't know if it's the bam when it hit the SUV or what, but he takes off running for the next car. The next car is a Volkswagen. He's still dragging the bench. He stops short of the bench, bam, it hits the Volkswagen. Parts are flying off. By this time, the owner of the gas station and the owner of the dog see something crazy going on and they come running out of the store and as soon as the owner of the dog the master of the dog comes out the dog stops and just looks at him and so the master comes up and he unties the leash from the park bench the owner of the gas station picks up his totally jacked up park bench and throws it in the dumpster and the owner the master of the dog just very gently leads him to safety now i'm sure there was some insurance forms somewhere to fill out because i'm not paying for your dog running. anyway what I want you to realize is that when it comes to our pain and our past, you and I are very, very much like that Doberman. We're chained up to some stuff. And whether we realize it or not, we are dragging our past relationships into our present relationships. And that's not what God wants. And so God's going to today, God's going to bring to mind some faces, some names Of people that you're dragging into relationships that are messing up today because you can't let go of the past. And we're going to be looking at a lot of that stuff. And whether you realize it or not, when you refuse to forgive someone, you're actually handing a leash to them that's attached to you. And you're saying, here, you control my life. I don't want to control my life. I don't even want God to control my life. I want you to control my life. God says there's a better way. But we've got to make some conscious decisions if we're going to forgive. So if we want to forgive the pain of our past or get free from it, we have to forgive others. But let me tell you real quickly some things that forgiveness is not, and then I'm going to tell you some things that forgiveness is, and I'm going to tell you some incredible benefits that God offers you if you'll forgive. Number one, forgiveness is not free. There is very much a cost involved in forgiveness. Um, Mentally, emotionally, maybe even physically, you are giving up something by forgiving someone. It's not free. Second thing is, forgiveness is not fair. Someone wronged us, and they may even need to pay for that wrong. But according to Scripture, it's not your responsibility to make them pay. In fact, when you try to make them pay, you really hurt yourself, and you hurt everybody around you that's in relationship with you. Forgiveness is not pretending that nothing happened. It was real. You don't have to pretend it didn't happen. And forgiveness is not forgetting. You don't deny that the other person, it was their responsibility for hurting you. You, you, uh, you don't justify the hurt. You, don't, you just simply acknowledge it. And you may have to put some distance between you and the other person until trust can be rebuilt. Trust and forgiveness are two totally different things. I give you my truck keys. You borrow my truck. You go and wreck my truck. I can forgive you for that. But I may not trust you enough to hand you my keys again the next time you ask. You need to find a closer friend, one you haven't wrecked their car. You see, forgiveness and trust are different. I can forgive you. Now, let me tell you what forgiveness is. It's a repeated choice. Some days you may have to choose to forgive a hundred times in that day for the same offense, especially if you keep seeing that person over and over and over and over again. They just come in front of you. You have to choose to forgive over and over. Second, forgiveness is calculated. Here's here's what I want you to understand about forgiveness. It is premeditated. You are fully aware of what you're doing whenever you forgive. You have thought this through. You know the cost. It is premeditated. Forgiveness is a commitment. It is a commitment to my freedom. It's a commitment that I'm going to live in the future today and in the future. I am not going to be stuck in the past. It's a commitment that I have to repeat over and over again. And then last, forgiveness is a change in focus. If you want to forgive someone, you have to quit looking at the person and the hurt, and you have to look at Jesus. We're going to talk more about that in just a minute. I choose not to look at the person, but I choose to look at Jesus. Now, I'm not saying forgiveness is easy, but I'm saying it's necessary. We need God to unleash forgiveness in our lives, and if you allow Him to do that, He's going to give you some incredible benefits. Let me run through these. The first benefit I want to talk about is emotional. There is an emotional benefit to forgiving. Now, I want you to read this verse uh, out loud with me on the screen. Job 5.2. Ready? Resentment kills a fool. That was just practice. Say it again. Resentment kills a fool. Now, the word resentment means to think again and again. It's kind of like taking something... uh, It's kind of like putting something on a rotisserie grill and you know how it spins so that it's it's uh, evenly cooked when you resent somebody when you have resentment in your life you're turning something over and over in your mind and you're thinking about every possible way that that person has hurt you how many of you have ever lost sleep because you were hurt that's resentment right we all know what resentment is and, and the, more, the more resentful, the more bitter I become, the more my emotions get whacked, and the more miserable I want you to become. Right? That's what misery does. Misery loves company. So and I get negative, and I may say some th- negative things to you because if I'm miserable, I want everybody to be miserable. Y'all are more spiritual than that, I know, right? Nobody else. It's just the preacher. That, that... Okay, I got one. Thank you. I'm going to talk to you. We're just, we're just going to, Justin and I are just going to have a good visit here. Now, a lot of people are negative in our world today. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to look beyond the negativity. Don't look at the what they're negative about. Look at why they're negative. Because you show me a, a negative, miserable person, I'll show you someone who has never fully grasped the forgiveness of the Savior. Because if you can't grasp it in yourself, you can't turn around and share forgiveness with someone else. Now, one of my favorite, favorite, all-time bitter actors is Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride. Just watch this short clip. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Now, how many of you could have quoted that before I ever, you know... You know it, right? He says it throughout the movie. And in fact, just this morning, I went back and watched the, at the end when he finally finds the guy who killed his father. It was the six-fingered man and he was a little boy. And so he runs down and he's, he's, he's uh, in the fight with the, the six-fingered man. And the six-fingered man actually throws a knife and, and it looks like is gonna die. And he goes, oh, how pitiful you are. And, and what does he do? He's, he's laying there and he pulls the knife out and, and the bad guy comes to stab him and he flicks it away and he says, hello my name is Enigo Montoya, you kill my father, prepare to die, and so he gets a little bit of strength, and, and the bad guy shoot, uh, shoves his sword at him, and he flicks it away, and he goes, hello, a little bit stronger, and, and then he walks up, and he falls, and you think that the bad guy's going to jump on him, and he says, hello, my name is Enigo Montoya, you kill my father, prepare to die, and the, and the bad guy goes, stop saying that! Four times in this sword fight before he kills the bad guy. Hello, my name is Inigo Montero. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And then just a few minutes later, they're about to make their getaway from the castle. And he says, he goes, you know, I've been fighting this revenge thing for so long. I have no idea what to do with my life now that it's over. I think there's people sitting here. You have no idea what to do with your life. Because you're so angry, you're so hurt, and you're so bitter about something in your past, and you're chained up to it. And it's affecting everything you do. Emotionally, God says we've got to release it. And bitterness over promises and under delivers. Bitterness says you can make them pay, but you pay, and the people in your present relationships pay because of your lack of forgiveness. So the first benefit is emotional. Second benefit is relational. Relational. If you unleash forgiveness in your life, you're going to have an unbelievable emotional benefit. Ephesians 4.32 says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, y'all remember back in the Cold War. How many of you remember the Cold War? You've at least studied it in school. I know I'm getting older. Some of my examples, I've got to go back and find new examples. But the Cold War, we were paranoid about one particular country. Bad, bad Russians. And what were they going to do? They were going to launch a nuclear attack. There's all of these nuclear holocaust movies back in the day, you know, War Games. That was a great movie in the day, but it's really bad now because of technology so much better. So what was going to happen was they were going to launch their missiles and we were going to launch our missiles. So we build up our nuclear arsenal. They build up their nuclear arsenal. And we are ready, man, because if they launch theirs, we're shooting ours off. And if we launch ours, they're shooting theirs off. The problem was nobody was going to be around at the end of that to talk about the war. And so the fact that we could destroy each other with just a push of a button made us avoid war. Now, I want to tell you that Jesus was involved in something the complete opposite of war. And I wish I had put this on your listening guide, but since I didn't, I want you to write this down somewhere. Because this is what I want you to take out of here today. Jesus was involved in something the complete opposite of war. It was called preemptive forgiveness. We wanted to be able to do a preemptive strike and kill somebody else before they killed us. Jesus said, I want to do preemptive forgiveness. He did the work on the cross before you and I ever knew who he was. Before we were born, Jesus did the work before we ever did our part. He did his part. Preemptive forgiveness. And if you look at this verse again, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Is that a suggestion? That I'm to forgive you like Christ forgave me? Is that a suggestion? Oh, if you feel like it. No, it's a command. You realize... Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my teaching. Love equals obedience. Here I am commanded to be involved in preemptive forgiveness. So what that means is I should live such a life of forgiveness that I forgive someone before they even ask. I should forgive someone even if they don't ask. That's not baby Christianity, by the way. That's graduate level stuff. But that's exactly what the scripture is teaching. Preemptive forgiveness. Well, you know what? I can't forgive until I feel like it. You are never going to forgive. We're going to plant you in the ground. We're going to put bitter on your headstone. Because you're never going to forgive. If you, wait. 99% of the time, I don't feel like forgiving. And I told my small group this last week, this, this bothers me. The more mature Christian will always make the first move in reconciliation. You know how many times I've sat in my chair going, I don't want to forgive. And God says, are you a baby or are you a man? Do you believe this stuff or not? If you believe this stuff, get off of your backside and make an effort at reconciliation. And by the way, do you think Jesus felt like dying on the cross? According to Matthew 26, 36 and following, he didn't. He fell on his knees and he cried out, God, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But then, then he said, not my will, but your will be done. Oh, my goodness, graduate level Christianity. So you don't have to, you don't have, to have a ton of biblical knowledge to be a mature Christian. You just live your life like Christ, uh, Jesus did. You follow Christ. He says something, you do it doesn't matter how much biblical knowledge you have i know a lot of i know a lot of really knowledgeable christians that i don't want to be anything like them because i don't see jesus in them does that make sense feelings are dangerous how many of you feel like getting out of bed every time to go to work that your alarm goes off no how come you're not supposed to go shopping when you're hungry because you buy the stove. We did that one time in college and we're like, oh my goodness, we can't pay for this. And we're putting stuff back because we're poor. But we were hungry. We wanted everything. Why should someone who's just had surgery not drive themselves home from the hospital? They feel good. Let me drive. I'll get you there. Right? Feelings should never drive us. Feelings should never drive what we're doing. What the scripture says should drive us is love. And you've heard, you've heard love binds us together, right? Here's the point I want you to get. Resentment also binds us together. Let's say you're divorced. Let's say your spouse committed multiple affairs on you. Your spouse is on the bench and you're dragging him or her around into every relationship. You can't let go. And, and hate hate has become your hobby and honestly, some of you, that's the last connection you have to them, so you just hold on to the hate. Because if you, if you were to forgive, that means you'd release them, you would have no more connection. You don't want God to come in and, and heal you and, and help you forgive. God wants to come in and tie you, your leash and, and, and unleash forgiveness in your life, and you don't even want to let him. What you don't realize is you're missing out relationally on today. I guarantee you there's people in your life today that need your attention, but because you're so focused on the past, you're missing it. And you're going to miss what God has in the future because you don't forgive. God will lead you to safety, but you've got to make that choice. Now, we have to forgive people who hurt us, but here's another thing about this preemptive forgiving. We also need to go to people that we've hurt and ask for forgiveness. Where, where this happens most often is in the family, right? Parents, you've never hurt your kids, right? Never, never. God, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I would have to go to Caleb and say, I was wrong, and he would grin, and that made it so much harder. <laughs> and I'd say, dude, I was wrong. And here's the cool thing, I'd say, will you forgive me? And he'd go, of course, Dad. Kids are so willing to forgive if you'll admit you're wrong. The problem is we we don't want to admit we're wrong. Guys, when's the last time you went to your wife and said, I was wrong? Because here's what we do. We, We go, sorry. I'm sorry. Janie, I'm sorry if you got your feelings hurt. That's pathetic, right? Yeah, y'all are going, ooh, them's fighting words there. But we do it, don't we? We put it on them. I'm so, I'm sorry if I can't tell you what's on my mind. I've pulled that. Forgive me for sharing my feelings. I thought you ladies wanted feelings. And she's going, not that one. That's not forgiveness work. Here is forgiveness work forgiveness work is: I go to Janie and I look her in those beautiful blue eyes and I say I was so wrong for what I did will you forgive me I put the ball in her court I become vulnerable that's what forgiveness is and some of you I'm going to ask you to think about this in a minute some of you have offended people deeply you've hurt them deeply and you need to go eyeball to eyeball with them and say I was wrong and I'm just going to tell you, we're not taught this when we're kids. Actually, I wasn't even taught this in church. It is very Christ-like and it is very manly to admit your mistakes, men. And and you know what happens every time? Janie, Janie thinks I'm cooler than I was before. I've had a lot of practice. And And her eyes, you can tell in her eyes that she forgives me. She's, she's awesome about forgiveness. If you need to know how to forgive, hang out with Janie for a while. And uh, when we ask, somebody's going to say, well, what, what if they say no? That's your problem. If I come to you and I ask for forgiveness and you say, no, nah, dude, you hurt me too badly. I'll, I'll give you another chance. Look, dude, I'm, I'm wrong forgive me no man i'm not forgiving you all right bye-bye that's between you and god and i'll turn you over to god i'm not going to lose any more sleep if i've humbled myself and come to you now that's not a text yo dude sorry i believe that's the biggest chicken piece of relationship that's not even relationship texting that you're sorry to somebody Uh uh-uh you be man enough or woman enough to go and look them in the eye and ask for them to forgive you and leave the ball in their court. Now, God isn't saying that we should chase down every person that we've ever wronged in our life and drop these benches in their life today and ruin their life. Because what, what, if you ever go to celebrate recovery, and actually, you know, we talk about this sometimes, that you're supposed to go and make amends. After you figure out what you've done, you're supposed to go and make amends. Unless to do so would hurt that person's present life. Does that make sense? When you make amends, amends is not about you. It's about the other person. And so there's been times that I've had to write letters and I felt like I couldn't go because of present situations and and I have burned those letters. But most of the time, God says, you need to go. And he troubles me and I can't sleep until I obey God. It messes me up. If I know you're upset with me, it messes me up until I come to you. Until we start start to work things out, because the Bible says we have a ministry of reconciliation. Jesus Christ reconciled humans to God, and he says, We have a ministry to reconcile others to each other. Does that make sense? We're supposed to go and reconcile people. That's what we're supposed to spend our lives doing. Now, if you don't know whether you should go to somebody or not, talk to somebody else. Find a Christian, either a counselor or find a respected, trusted Christian. And, and ask their opinion. Do you think I should go to them? Because if this was three or four relationships ago and they're married and they have children and you show up on the doorstep, not a good idea. You might get blasted. And we'll talk about what a fool you were at your funeral. He just showed up. Okay, there's another benefit. Physical. Now, this is crazy. I love this. There's some... There's some medical studies that have been done, and this is just crazy. Now, let's say that you know, I have this piece of paper, and I get a little paper cut, and I never disinfect the paper cut. If I come into contact with somebody who has Ebola, I that could be a deadly paper cut. Right? All right. Bitterness acts the same way. A little bit of bitterness, a little opening, can poison your whole soul. Now, I want you to see what Proverbs says. This is the complete opposite of bitterness. It says, a heart at peace gives life to the body. Now, we read um, Job 5-2 earlier. Remember it said, resentment kills what? A fool. But peace, a heart at peace gives life. So if you want to have life, that you have to learn to have peace. Now, science is just discovering this, this stuff, and it's crazy. How many of you have ever had chronic back pain? Let me see your hands. All right, not kidding, and I didn't set you up. I'm not trying to say this is you. But a few years ago, a study was done that showed that Forgiveness and releasing grudges can actually improve chronic back pain. Here we are going to chiropractors. Nothing wrong with chiropractors. Don't have any problem with chiropractors. But sometimes we need to go to the great physician and say, God, what exactly is wrong with me? Another study found that forgiveness limited relapses among women battling substance abuse problems. Holy cow. An even more interesting project explored just how thinking about empathy and reconciliation sparks this activity in the brain's left middle temporal lobe, suggesting, this is, blows my mind, that we actually have a center, a mental forgiveness center that's just waiting to be tapped. Just thinking about it can release the right types of things in our body. That's pretty cool to me. And that's not news. The Bible's been talking about this for thousands of years. A Stanford study made sure to point out that you don't have to condone what what the people did. Forgiving means you don't condone it, and that's good to know. God's not saying that when we release somebody, we should say, Hey, let's go to the Mavericks game tomorrow. Let's go to Six Flags and hang out all day. No, he's not saying that you have to become best buddies. But we are called to do what? Our part. Now, this Stanford study also stated that letting go of a grudge can slash one's stress level by up to 90%. You stressed, maybe you need to forgive. Volunteers of that study have shown improvements in energy, mood, sleep quality, sleep quality, and overall physical vitality. And then the doctor in charge said this, carrying around a load of bitterness and anger at how, out, at how unfairly you've been treated is very, very toxic. Do you see the brilliance of God? God doesn't want you to have toxins inside, so God says, let's, let's practice some preemptive forgiveness. He doesn't want us to be leashed up to our past. All right, there's one, one final um, benefit, and it's spiritual. You have unbelievable benefits emotionally, relationally, physically, and the last one is spiritually. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus met Zacchaeus, and we know that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. We've mentioned before that, that on the, the list of jobs, tax collector was below dung collector. I'm not making that up. That was an actual job, but tax collectors were seen as lower than dung collectors. And, and Jesus meets Zacchaeus and decides to go to his home, and he's going to hang out with the scum of society. The reason he was the scum is because tax collectors regularly ripped off their fellow Jews. And, and this was a chief tax collector, so he was very, very wealthy. And Zacchaeus was ambushed by the forgiveness of God, and I'm going to show you how I know that. Look at what happens in Luke 19:8, and this is from the Living Bible, and I just like this translation. After he'd been with Jesus, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord, and he said, Sir, from now on I will give half my wealth to the poor, and if I find I have overcharged anyone on his taxes, I will penalize myself by giving him back four times as much. It's real easy to tell when someone has forgiven when they have forgiveness in their souls, because they start acting like it. They start doing things. I've had people through the years say, I forgive you. And then you can tell by their actions whether they do or not. Because when you are ambushed by the forgiveness of God, you start forgiving other people. Look what it says in Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. All right, I want you to say that phrase because this is what you got to take out of here. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Say that. Look at a neighbor and say, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Look at another neighbor and say, forgive as the Lord forgave you. All right, three things I want you to take from that phrase, because this is powerful. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Number one is when you don't want to forgive, consider the cross. Now, I think I put a picture in there, Jeff, did I? Somewhere in there of Jesus on the cross. I may not have gotten it put in there. I've told you this before that I've put on the passion of the Christ and I watch Jesus being beaten and I watch him being uh, nailed to the cross and then I see that picture and and I look at you when when you hurt me I, I try to look at you through what Jesus did on the cross because if my sins put him on the cross then there's nothing you can do to me that's that's worse than what I did to Jesus and so I consider the cross. I consider the preemptive forgiveness that Jesus did before I ever knew who he was, before I ever did my part. And the Bible says that I'm to forgive as Jesus forgave me, as the Lord forgave me. In heaven, we know that we're going to be perfect, but here, not so much. We struggle with stuff, and it's, it's really difficult when we're hurt. But I'm telling you, God has enough power to overcome your past, to overcome your hurt. And can I just tell you that life is too, too short To mess around with an unforgiving spirit. It's too short to be bitter. Do you like hanging around with bitter people? Do you like hanging out with people who are constantly running other people down? No, that's no fun. Run away. Second, when you don't want to forgive, admit that resentment doesn't work. It's a dead end road. And it's not going to lead you where you want to go in your life. You'll not get back at the other person. And the person that hurt you may not even know that they hurt you. And even if they did, they're probably out living their life, having a great time. And you're sitting over in the corner licking your wounds. And that is pitiful. And it's not attractive. Right? That's why we tell people all the time to get healthy emotionally before you get married. Because it's even harder in marriage. I'm not saying God can't work in your marriage after... But you really need to try to get healthy. If you're single, that's the best thing you can do. Get healthy spiritually, emotionally, physically before you get married. Because marriage doesn't cover your weaknesses. Marriage magnifies your weaknesses. And it's not pretty. Don't anybody say amen because that will start a fight before we ever get out of here. I can't believe they hurt me. I'm just all leashed up to them. (laughs) Just, Just say to God, I need help forgiving. And just say, I can't take care of them anyway. And then here's the third thing. When you don't want to forgive, remember this. I will need a monster amount of forgiveness in the future. I know I'm going to sin in the future. You know that too. Hopefully I won't sin as much in the future as I have in the past. But I'm going to mess up. I need forgiveness. I need grace. I need mercy. And you do too. Because of that, I should release you. And I should give you forgiveness and I should do what Jesus did because maybe, maybe if I do that for you, whenever I need forgiveness, you'll turn around and offer it back to me. Does that make sense? Don't you dare hold on to your past and then expect someone else to forgive you in the future. You reap what you sow. You want to benefit from forgiveness? Start giving it out and watch it come back incredibly. Now, for so many of us, it just, it just comes down to saying to God, God, I cannot unleash myself from my past. I need you to do it. And you just let him untie that knot and, and you don't be tied up to that person anymore. So what I want you to do is, is I want you to consider saying this to, to God today. We're going to bow our heads in just a minute, but I'm, I'm going to tell you before we bow our heads. I want you to say, God, have your way with me. We're just going to pray that here in a second, and then we're, going to, we're even going to give you an opportunity to release somebody because I'm going to ask God to show you people that you're holding on to and people that you've offended. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Some of you are tied up to someone, and, and you may know it, you may not, but everybody in your family knows it. Some of us are dragging around four or five park benches Loaded with people that we've not forgiven. And, and I don't care whether you feel like it or not. Most of the time, I don't feel like forgiving. But based on God's grace and truth, I just want you to say to God, silently where you are, God, give me the power to release them. God, help me to even say, I release them. That uncle, that person, the guy that ripped me off financially, the person that took advantage of me, that parent, I release them. Would you say that now? A person might have died a couple of decades ago. Release them because God wants you to experience freedom that only he can give. Now, here's, here's an even harder part. Some of us here need to do forgiveness work, and we need to go to someone that, that we have hurt. And we've said, well, it's their problem. It's not my problem. And the Holy Spirit's just been working in your heart as we've been talking about this today, and you know that you're supposed to go and I'm just going to remind you the more mature Christian will make the first move regardless of whether that person ever forgives you or not that's not your problem your problem is you're supposed to obey and go we got to do our part who do you need to talk to it could be a boss, coworker, neighbor, spouse, child I don't know but God does know and if you'll ask him he's going to bring that to mind I'm just going to give about 10 seconds and ask you to think about who it is that you've offended that you've hurt challenge you not to put it off. Some of you need to make a phone call and set up a meeting as soon as you leave this building because you're not going to be the person God wants you to be as long as you're leashed up to the past. Do your part and watch what God does. Father, thank you for what you're doing here. Move in our hearts and compel us to do the work of forgiveness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.